All right, so we're going to jump into this topic right now, abortion in halacha. So in number one, Rabbi Eliezer Melamed, who writes in Pnine Halacha, even when the couple has decided to follow the view permitting abortion, which we're going to talk about, it would be appropriate for them to take counsel with a rabbi who deals with these issues and, and has been, as has been stated, they may choose a rabbi whose inclination is to be lenient in these matters, Okay, whatever rabbi, by the way, you choose is the one that you should stick to in these matters, in all matters, in fact. First, to verify that the medical opinion is trustworthy. Second, because one cannot be lenient without responsible weighing of the issue, for the law is established based upon many factors such as fetal age, the type of illness, the form of, a, of abortion, the quality of the test, and the family situation. Further, the decision regarding Abortion is very difficult in hidden ways for the couple and taken and taking counsel with Yeah, with a trained rabbi will ease these hidden issues and guide them on a good path to continuing building their family. Okay, so in this in this quote basically we see that is there room for abortion in halacha? Yes. yes, there's definitely room for abortion. But it's, stipulated. it's stipulated and it's not simple. And one should not go shopping for an opinion. One should follow an opinion that, that they're actually going with. It's not, oh, I like this, but I don't like that and, and decide. Because this is like serious stuff. It's like the most serious decision that one can ever make, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so number two, Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein, he, he actually passed away not that long ago. He writes about abortion. The reader has surely discerned that in a number of places I've refrained from setting down definitive conclusions, but have been satisfied to indicate general principles, tendencies, and possibilities in halacha. This approach is not merely the product of modesty or, hesit- or hesitation in resolving debates among halachic titans. It is rooted in a view of, of the nature of a posek in general. Posek is, is or, or psak of, of a posek. That's a deci- legal decision regarding this topic specifically. These are areas where on the one hand, the halachic details are not clearly fleshed out in the Talmud and Rishonim. And on the other hand, the personal circumstances are often complex and perplexing. In such areas, there is room, and in my opinion, an obligation for a measure of flexibility. A sensitive posek recognizes both the gravity of the personal situation and the seriousness of the halachic factors. This approach is neither evasive nor discriminatory. The flexibility arises from a recognition that halachic rulings are not and should not be the output of human microcomputers, but of human beings, a recognition that these rulings must be applied to concrete situations with a bold effort to achieve the optimal moral and halachic balance among the various factors. Thus, it is the case that halachic rulings have more of the character of general directives than the specific decision, decisive rulings within set limits, of course, and within the POSEC is, is not absolutely convinced, and when the POSEC is not absolutely convinced, uh, respecting the point at view. So he, what is he saying over here? 
Rabbi Lichtenstein. He's basically saying that when he gives a neutral approach, when somebody would ask him, hey, what's your opinion, Rabbi, about abortion? He gives a very neutral approach. It's called parv. It's not, it's not this way, it's not that way. And he says it should be that way because when we're talking about these, this, this huge question where we get into huge dilemmas over here, and he's not just talking about abortion. He's talking about many, many issues which we've discussed, I think. We discussed um, about the um, near-death near experience. I think we did that, right? And uh, the in vitro fertilization. Did we do that? No. No, not yet. Okay. We talked... So all these questions are major questions. And the job of a posek is not necessarily to jump in to say, yeah, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. No, it's like being in the middle. And when there's a specific case, then there is a human approach to it because each person is different. Each situation is different. We can't come along. This is what he's saying. A posa can't come along and say, this is the law. Just like we're seeing, we're seeing over here in New York State, the law, Roe versus Wade. And then 19, uh, 2019, law. It's not like that in halacha. In halacha, there's the person, and then there's the, there's the, uh, the halacha, and it's applied, and each case is what is different. And this is, by the way, a major f- fundamental concept to know about halacha. Halacha is constantly changing. Halacha is something that applies to the, to, to the individual. It's not just, you know, like that etched in stone. Each situation is different. And this is a, it's a very important thing to bear in mind when we talk about halacha, right? And even a posek is not, you know, it's not God's law from Moses because a posek is a human and he applies these laws to the, to the situation at hand. Does that make sense? Yeah? You know the general rule. Exactly. Anything. Exactly. So now we, when we take such a complex subject such as abortion... It's very important to know that we can't put it into pro-life, pro-choice. Like, we... Yeah. No, but that, like, in halacha... In halacha, it's, in halacha, it's not like that. Because it's... It, it, okay, and I'll, I'll just say, in the, in the Christian world, they're only pro-life, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And they're very, like, all the way with it. Mm-hmm. Okay? And in, and in Torah, it's not, like, it's, not, it's not like that. I don't see Jewish people rallying for it. It depends on the case, basically. Right. It depends on the case. It depends on the case. Because in certain cases, like you were asking, Jasmine, and you were mentioning before, there are cases where in the the third trimester, if the baby, all of a sudden we find out something's up with the baby and the mother decides, you know, what am I really doing? I may not live for another whatever year as a result of having this baby. So then according to halacha, the mother's life is at risk and she may be able to get an abortion in such a situation. According to halacha, if the mother's life is at risk, perhaps, right? Looking at each situation independently. Uh, <coughs> yeah. Why can't we ask different posts uh, Because he's a person and maybe he's making a mistake. So I think we, can't, we could 
different. Yeah. So that's, by the way, a major question, like, and, and, and something to understand. There's a lot of people that go shopping for a rabbi and go shopping for an opinion that suits them. So they find a rabbi that they like that says that. And then they don't like that about them, so they go there because they like that. But they still don't like this opinion, so they go there. I know this person that went out. Oh, this person, that person, that person. She's like, but rabbi, why? This person is this. And I was like, excuse. So go to them. Like, what are you asking me a question? You know, you're asking me a question. Go to them. Because you don't have the authority to decide, so you need to ask for a rabbi, but yes. you know what you want to... You know what you want to hear. Yeah. Are you allowed yeah. to have like, an official rabbi, and then you outgrow them, and you really get more machmer, and then you switch to another rabbi? Like, yes. Like, yes. You're allowed to do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but as like, long as you stick to them. Yeah, but then... So that's the thing. Oh, so okay. here also, you have to pick the posek. And by the way, and another, an, another major thing to know about a posek is that we have emuna, emunas chachamim, that the psak that's coming down is, is true, and that the posek has what we call siyata dishmai, help from, from heaven. And when a posek comes along, and after years and years of learning, and of applying and, and, and learning from someone, so then they have a certain assistance in deciding, the, in deciding the, the answer in the right way. And you know what? Even if they're wrong and the person follows them, let's say, then the person that does what the, what the post said does not, did not do anything wrong because they followed the opinion of, of a post And so that's part of Judaism. And we have what we call the Munas Chachamim. Why in the Talmud, Rava and Abaye decide in a certain case and how they understand what cooking on Shabbos is, is based on how we keep the laws of Shabbos. So this idea of, of basically, that's the whole Rabbanan, the whole rabbinic Torah, oral law is this belief of, of yeah, on the one hand, it, it comes from heaven and it's completely godly and the person is human. But on the other hand, we, the Torah was given down to us in this world. Like we learned in last week's Parsha, heaven came down to earth. And we're meant, and the human mind is meant to interact with these concepts and bring them down into this, into this world. So making major decisions like this is the, is the job of not just any rabbi, <clears throat> it's the job of a posek. Well, in the introduction to Tanya, the Alter Rebbe speaks about this. He speaks about how we have Hillel on the right side, that's more chesed inclined, and we have Shammai, that's more gevura, that's more discipline, right? And so there's different inclinations, even within Torah. The Torah, is, the Torah could be understood in 70 ways, right? And so depending on the root of the soul of the person is, you know, is also... That's how they, they see the nuances in this way. Okay, number three. It says in Shmot, one who strikes an Ish who then dies will be put to death. Actually, this week's Parsha. And then also our Parsha, Parsha Mishpatim that we're in right now. And I also thought it's interesting because it's the Parsha that we're in. talks about this. So quote number four, when men fight and they strike a pregnant woman and her children merge. What does that mean? In other words, they cause a miscarriage to the woman. 
So they're having a fight and this lady guy gets in there, maybe her husband or whatever it is, and she gets in, into it and she has a miscarriage. But there's no death for her. In other words, she doesn't die. He shall be punished, the guy who did this, as established upon him by the woman's husband, and he shall pay it in court. And if there's death, you shall give a life for a life. So if she, if she is, so basically, yeah. I thought Judaism doesn't believe in the death penalty. We do. Oh, we, that's news. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> What's that? So life for life, there is, there's four, there's four ways of, of, of death, right? Arba misos, which is, there's four types. And so if someone, if someone kills someone, so then they have to, so then they are, so then they're also chayav misa, right? For what they did. Okay? Wait, in, this is a quick question, in like American law, if someone kills, whether, in, like, if, whether on purpose or accidentally kills, causes a mother to have a fetus, are they charged for murder? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Why, why not? If, if, a, if someone causes a fetus and kills a pregnant lady, they're charged no, for No, 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 she's talking about the fetus. They just cause a miscarriage. The fetus is, right. That's what I'm saying, because, like... Yeah, but that's choice. What do you mean that's choice? Uh, a person kills the fetus, it's not their choice to kill the baby. It's now it's their choice. Yeah. So then they're basically... No, no. Well, they still kill it. Wait, what are you asking? But if it's their choice to kill it. If we bring a woman, doesn't want their child to die, it's not their choice. Then there's a major lawsuit, basically. There's a major lawsuit. I don't know. I don't know if the person could go to jail for so long, but... Or how long, or but for sure, there's a major lawsuit on this. Okay, so back back to our um, notes over here. Uh, in Jewish law, they are. In Jewish law, they are charged with murder. So, no, no, no. Over here, let, let's go back to this pasuk. This pasuk over here is talking about someone has now killed the baby. Yeah. What does the Torah say? He shall pay it in court. We pay the amount. Or whatever, let's, let's not get into what the amount is over there. But the point is, is there a worth to the baby, even though the baby has not been born yet? Yes, yes there's a worth to the baby. And, the, and whoever did this, even though it was, we could call it bishogeg, they didn't do it on purpose, they have to pay. That's the point over here that we see in the, yes, in our parsha, that they have to pay, right? Okay, now the Rambam says in the laws of murder, he says, the Torah prohibits having mercy for the life of a pursuer. In other words, if someone comes at someone with a knife, okay, runs, and you see, you see something is going to happen, then what do you do? You have, to, you, have to, you have to kill that person if there's no other way. If you could shoot them in the leg or whatever it is, fine. But if there's no other way and you realize that this, it's just too, too you know, I, I know I could get the torso. I know I could just, like, aim and just get the but guy. it's not considered, like, murder. It's not murder, no. It's not murder. Because you're saving another person's life. 
He's called a rodef. That's the word for it in Hebrew. Rodef is somebody that, that chases after someone. You, we, everyone, every moral human being has an obligation to stop that person, even if it takes killing them. Therefore, the sages rule that one may cut the fetus, so now the Rambam says, inside a woman who is having difficulty giving birth. So this is where we get this from. The Rambam brings this, whether through medicine or by hand, as though he was pursuing her to kill her. Okay? The baby. The baby. In a a situation where the mother, and this is, by the way, years ago, women, I, I read this statistic Actually, we were just in Jerusalem the other week when we went to this like museum. They said that, that 70% of women that gave birth, um, the baby, either the baby didn't survive or the mother died. Like in old school Jerusalem, old city in 1800s. Like scary, scary stuff, yeah. 70%, like the babies would not make it past a certain amount of time. Or the mother wouldn't make it. So anyway, so in a situation where the mother is about to die as a result of this, we consider the baby a rodef. And just like if someone's coming at someone with a knife, the baby is coming at the mother in that way as well. And therefore, the Rambam says that what, could we, or what are we allowed to do? Kill. To kill the baby. Once he produces, however, once he produces his head, we do not touch him. For we do not push off one life for another. This is nature. So once the baby comes out, and what's considered coming out? The head comes out. So now the baby is considered alive. And at this point, even though the mother is still may die as a result, or will die for sure, we say, we've got two lives over here. Which one do we choose? We, we're, not the, we're not the ones to choose. We're not God. Even though the mother is like in, a, is in a risk. Even though the mother, and for sure, will die. Right? So this is when the baby is We don't. No. Because we have a life for a life. And the Talmud says that what's, what tells us that, that your blood is redder than the other person's blood. And the Talmud over there says if, if, someone, if uh, someone, someone captures a person and says to him, hey, I want you to kill that person or I'll kill you. So the Talmud says a a person is not allowed to kill that other person. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the Talmud says, what makes your blood redder than the other person's blood? And so it's the same case over here that we consider the baby just as alive as the mother. But if you just take the baby from the mother, why... Would you want to kill the baby? Like that's what we're asking about the situation. I don't know. I don't understand. If you just take the baby, the problem finished because the problem was that the baby will kill the mother. So when you take the baby, then there's no issue. Why will you kill? Because the baby may not survive for so long, and the mother can't see that. There, there are certain, there are certain unfortunate diseases. No, that's the law. The, There's unfortunate the diseases that we... Die. What? The mother will... Right. We're, according, according to halacha, this law is very problematic. Extremely pro- problematic. No, I'm not talking about the law. I'm talking about the last sentence. Once you get this head, we don't touch. Yeah. We don't push off one right. for another. How 
killing the baby, you will make the No, no, no. Baby. You're not allowed to kill the baby. No, I understand, but... Because there's life. What's the indication of life? Well, I thought the indication of yeah. life was at conception. Well, that's considered the beginning of of, uh, of of birth. When the head comes out, it's already the baby's already the well the baby is already let's say in the world. It's in, it's an independent life source from the mother. When the baby is like conceived, it's literally cells, and it can't exist in the world without. Right, so then you can see how the pro, the the pro uh, choice people can take it. If you're comfortable, uh, then what's the issue? Item. Like, give me, but like help with the to cells. the mother or the baby in the same time that the baby. You have to help both. That's a good question. What do you have to help? Yeah. Both. Yeah. There's a mother over here that needs assistance, and the baby needs assistance. What do you, What do you do? Who do you yes. attend to first? So the answer would be the one that you're able to help, that you're able to help. Like to say the, the best. The so if... Which has priority? Yeah, well, uh, it's a very tough question. And unfortunately, let's hope like, you know, no one is in that kind of question, di- dilemma. But it, it would probably be the one that the is easier to help. That the doctor would know could they could save them, or they could, you know, help them in an easier way. So, okay, number six. There's a Mishnah in Ohalot that says, if a woman is having trouble giving birth, we cut the fetus in her womb and produce it limb by limb. Her life proceeds. Yeah. Once the majority of the fetus has emerged, we do not touch it. We do not push away one life for another. So this is the, the source where the Rambam takes it from. But the Rambam actually takes it a little bit, was a little bit more machmir. The Rambam says that once the baby's head comes out, basically starts to emerge. And according to the Mishnah, the majority of the fetus has emerged. So the Rambam takes it a step further. Now, the Talmud says that if a woman is on the birthing table and she dies and it is, sh- it is Shabbat, they bring a knife and tear open her belly and produce the child. In other words, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a yeah, cesarean situation. So, where, where the belly, the C-section, yeah. Yeah, cesarean, because Caesar was born, or one of the Caesars, I think it was Julius Caesar, was born in, in a cesarean, an abnormal way. And so people thought of him as being, like, strange, being not normal. And he said, you know what? This is normal. I'm Caesar, you know, and I'm special. So he had that. So all the, all the, all the Caesars were, had, had an egotistic complex like that. Like what? Only if it's Chavez, they have to do that? Oh, no, you say even on Shabbos. Shabbos, you're not allowed to take if there's no Eruv. But of course, over here, to save the mother, you're allowed to do anything possible. Okay, so the Mishnah in Nida says, For a day-old child, one who kills is liable. Basically, if a child has just been born, whatever month it is, the child is out, then one is Chayav Mita, death. Just as much as if, the, if it was a, an adult of 30, 40 years old. 
a one-day-old child is the same as, a, you know, as an adult. Why? Because there's life. Life is the same at any age. So the Gemara says in Yevamot, in uh, Source 9, if a, if a Kohen's daughter married a Yisrael, who then died, she may immerse and eat truma that night. Because we know that Kohanim have, a special, have special food, which is called truma, right? It's one of the 24 gifts of the Kohanim. And a wife, which is Yisrael, is allowed to eat truma. But what happens, God forbid, if this woman's husband dies? So that means that from then on, she's not allowed to eat truma any longer after her husband dies. Um, truma is a special type of food which was given by the Israelim. They take a portion of their food and they give it to the Kohen. That's called truma, right? It's 160th of the food that one, of, of, of produce that one has. It's called truma. So anyways... Um, so we say that she may immerse and eat truma that night. Rav Chista clarifies, she may immerse and eat truma for 40 days, since if she is not pregnant, then she is, if she is, not, if she's not pregnant, then she's not pregnant. And if she is pregnant, then the fetus is mere water until 40 days have elapsed. So basically saying that they don't have a child, but if they do have a child, this woman has a child, that, the that they're kohanims, she's allowed to continue be, eat, eating truma, even though her husband is not there anymore. But we're talking about a couple that probably just got married, and we're not sure if she's pregnant or not. So according to this opinion, she's allowed to continue eating truma for 40 days. Why? Because maybe there's a fetus there, and there's a little embryo at that point, and because of that embryo, the wife could continue eating truma because it's considered a child. And if, and if, um, and, um, and basically, and if she is pregnant, then the fetus is mere water until 40 days. In other words, if she did eat truma and we find out that she's not really pregnant, so we're like, well, she ate truma. You're not allowed to eat truma if you're not a Kohen. So we, we say that for 40 days, the first 40 days, it's not really an embryo. It's considered water. It's just, well, it, there's a certain fertilization process that goes on over there. Because you don't know if it's there or not. Where the, the ovary and right, is, is, is fertilized. It's an amazing thing. But it's basically water. It's, it, it, it's nothing really so, you know, substantial to it. So therefore, um, therefore, it's, what we see over here that up to 40 days, we see that a baby is considered like almost water, like not even a real thing, right? Up to 40 days. Um, okay, it is almost six o'clock. I'm wondering if we, we're going to do one more. And then maybe pause and continue next week. Okay. okay. So number 10, the Gemara says, Rabbi Shmuel cited a saying that a Noahide, that means a, someone who's a non-Jew, follows the seven laws of Noah, is liable even for killing a fetus. In other words, of course he's liable for, ki for killing a, a human, but even a fetus, a Noahide is chayev for. Okay, why? So it says in the Pasuk, what does it say in Parshat Noach? One who spills the blood of a man 
in man his blood will be spilled. What is the blood of man in man? This is a fetus inside of his mother. Shofech in Hebrew, it's called, it says the Pasuk is, Shofech dam adam ba'adam. Again, dam is what? Blood. Ha'adam of man. Dam ha'adam ba'adam in man. By the way, Adam comes from the word dam because man, right? Human has majority blood, right? And, uh, and so the Gemara interprets this as follows. Shofech dam, someone who kills, spills the blood of man inside of a man. How do we have such a situation? Who's, who's a man inside of Adam? Adam is, is not necessarily a man, but, but a man or a woman who is, is a fetus. So somebody that kills a fetus, one of the seven Noachad laws is that it is usur. Basically, from here, it is forbidden for a non-Jew, not just for Jews, of course, but for non-Jews as well to kill a, a baby inside of his mother's womb. In other words, have an abortion for no reason. From where? Where do we know that from? From this pasuk. Shofech dam adam ba'adam motiumat. So in the Gemara, one more, any mitzvah conveyed to Noachites and not repeated at, at Sinai applies to Jews, not to Noachites. So, so there's... Does means that anyone who has an abortion, um, what was it, you said for no reason? For no, yeah, for no reason to save one's life, in other words. Is considered murder? Yeah. According to Torah, that they are transgressing the, the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. But if someone gets a hedger from a rabbi, it's not considered murder. <coughs> right. Wow. Yeah, but we're, we're talking about over here, non-Jews. Are non-Jews allowed to have an abortion? Um, just the opposite. If, if it was not repeated at Sinai, then it is only for non-Jews. That cannot be. Nothing is permitted for, non, for Jews and, per, and permitted... For non-Jews. So the Gemara here basically says that non-Jews and Jews are, we have the same laws regarding abortion. So we can't say, oh, so just a Jew is not allowed to kill a fetus, but a non-Jew is. No, it's the same thing. Even though this law was not repeated on Mount Sinai, it is still the same thing, right? Uh... Wait, so this does apply to Jews? Yes, of course. Okay. Okay. Sometimes we talk about people, we say like, after.